greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Bible teacher Keith McKenzie. This is uh, part three out of our Prophecy Train archives when we did work with our good friend Ed Stakowski. Uh, this is part three of four. Enjoy it and we'll see you on the other end. For another edition of uh, the Prophecy Train, um, got some exciting uh, stuff to get going on today. We're going to go into the Book of Daniel and Daniel's um, 70 weeks of prophecy. Uh, it's an exciting uh, study. We're uh, still doing a very basic uh, overlay of Bible prophecy, so we hope you'll jump on board the Prophecy Train and take another ride through the Scriptures with us. Uh, let's just go ahead and open up in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for another opportunity, Lord, just to come before your people to teach uh, the word of God. We just ask, Lord, that you would give us eyes and ears that we might both see and hear what your word has to say to us this morning. So thank you very much. All right. Daniel, ninth chapter, 20th verse through 27. These are some of the most critical, most important uh, keys to understanding Bible prophecy is right here. You really, if you like Bible prophecy in general, or if you're getting into it and you've been tuning into these shows and you've been, you know, wondering what's all about, here is one of the golden keys to understanding Bible prophecy. So let's go ahead and jump right in and see see what the Word's got to teach us today. Seventy weeks of prophecy. Now Daniel's been praying. Uh, for the sins of his people Israel. They've been taken into Babylonian captivity. And Daniel's one of the uh, captives. He's in the king's court. And then as he's praying, he gets this um, answer to his prayer. It says, Now while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God, Yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, that's, that's the angel, whom I had seen in a vision at the beginning of the end, caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening sacrifice. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O oh, Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill and to understand. And we're the benefactors of that. At the beginning of your supplications... The command went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. There, consider the matter and understand the vision. Now we're going to get right into this vision, and what we're going to do is I'm just going to expound a little bit on some of these things on the 70 weeks of prophecy. Now, a week here in, in this um, Bible uh, verse right here, a week represents a year. So these, these weeks 
They're weeks of years, kind of like the way we would say, call it a decade. But uh, Old Testaments, they have more of a heptatic structure, so they're in sevens. You can look that up on your own. So uh, Gabriel comes, and then he gives them this um, vision right here. It says, 70 weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city. Now, his people are obviously Israeli, Jewish. All right, your holy city, that's Jerusalem. So this is what it's talking about as we go down. And then it, it, God lists six events here. He says, to finish the transgression, to make the end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Now, from a prophetic point of view, 69 of these 70 weeks have been fulfilled. But all of these things aren't, these six things that God says he wants to deal with still aren't done. To finish transgressions and to make an end of sins, obviously these things are still here. And God's word says that when the end comes, he says, I'm going to do a strange work. He's going to do a quick work. And he's only got seven prophetic years left to do it. And there's a trigger point for that uh, event that starts that last seven years of prophecy. But what happens in between the 69th week and the 70th week is what we call the church age. That's the ingathering of the, the Gentile church. And then God will use that last seven weeks or the seven week of years that last seven years, which is called the tribulation, and the last half of that, three and a half years, 42 months, is called the great tribulation, and the Lord Jesus uh, talks about that himself. But it says, and, and to get down to verse 25, it says, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command, and that was a degree by Artaxerxes, in March 14th of like 445 BC, and if if you if you're really interested in this, this is probably one of the most amazing mathematical prophecies in the Bible. We really don't have time to get into it here, but if you want to chase this down, uh, there's a book called The Coming Prince, where Sir Robert Anderson he worked for Scotland Yard. This was written like in the uh, early or late 1800s, early 1900s, something like that, uh, but. Uh, he was the first person to discover that uh, we use a Julian calendar as 365 days, but the, the Jews were using, uh, their calendar was based on uh, 30, 12, 30-month 30 days, so they, their calendars were 360 days, and he did the math with all the leap years and all these other things and their jubilees and all this kind of stuff, and he came out, and, and just to make a long story short, the, the math works out that the Lord Jesus, uh, right here, it says, um, from, from the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62. That's where we get the first 69 weeks. Uh, the street shall be built again and the wall, even in troublesome times. Now, the book of Nehemiah goes through that entire uh, episode there where they're rebuilding the, the walls and the temple. And uh, even in troublesome times, and then it says, and after 62 weeks, 
Okay, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. Now that brings us up to the 69th week. And, and it says, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. And the prince of the people who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it shall be with a flood. Until the end of the war, desolations are determined. Now, there's an interval here between that 69th and 70th week. Now, Christ was crucified like 32 AD, but the, the, on Palm Sunday, the day that the Lord Jesus Christ rode into the town and presented himself as Messiah, later on, the Lord himself looks over Jerusalem and he weeps over Jerusalem and he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you know, he talks about gathering her in as a, as a hen gathers her chick. And he says, but you weren't willing. And, and he says, and he pronounces judgment on Jerusalem on being a prophet and according to uh, Deuteronomy 18 that they were supposed to be looking for a prophet like Moses. And, and he tells them that their city is going to be left to them desolate. And he said, it was because that you did not know the day of your visitation. He held them accountable for knowing the exact day. You know, in Zechariah, it talks about the king coming in, riding lowly and on a donkey. It, it, it describes here the exact day. They weren't diligent in doing their homework. They didn't know they had grown fat in their hearts. And they grew dull in their hearing and it was just religion. They were just going through the motions. And then, you know, the Bible talks about when the Lord comes into his temple suddenly. And there he was presenting himself. And they rejected him at that point as the Messiah. And, and they have entered into a time of unbelief as it talks about in Romans. The blindness in part until, it's not permanent, it's until, and, and we'll get to that part in just a second. I'd like to, to spend a lot more time on it, but this is all part of God's plan. It's all part of God's plan that blindness happens in part to um, Israel until the times of the Gentiles, bringing that church in, and then God is going to do his special work for Israel. He's not done with Israel. Don't believe that. If you've heard that in replacement theology, it's garbage. What it does is it sets up, uh, you make God a liar because God made some everlasting covenants. And, uh, you know, he says to Abraham, I give this land to you and your descendants forever. And the covenant that he made with Abraham, Abraham was asleep. He doesn't even participate in the, in the, um, you know, in the part of the ceremony where the two parties walk through, recite the um, terms of the deal, God puts Abraham, notice that, he puts Abraham in a deep sleep, and then he takes on all the responsibility himself. That's awesome. You should take some encouragement in that. But down here in verse 27, says, then he, this, this he right here, is speaking of the Antichrist. The, the coming Antichrist is going to be a world leader, for, for those of you who don't know anything about Bible prophecy. And it says, He shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. That is that last seven years. One week. A week of years. But in the middle of that week, that's three and a half or 42 months, He shall bring an end to the sacrifice and offering 
and on the wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. Now, that's, there is, we could spend months of shows just unpacking this uh, part of you know, the scripture, but if you want to be a good Bible student, a good prophecy student, you need to spend some time here in Daniel. You really need to understand and how to pull this apart and see how it speaks. Uh, just these few verses that we read right here cover, you know, you know, hundreds, hundreds of years, and then there's gaps in here between uh, when the Messiah is cut off. There's uh, 38 years from the time the Lord uh, was crucified, dead, and raised and received up again into glory. 38 years later, showing and establishing that he's a prophet, Jerusalem is completely plowed under by Titus Vespasian in 70 AD. And then they're scattered according to Deuteronomy. Uh, the people are scattered throughout the nations, but the Lord says that he's going to gather his people again a second time, which we are witnessing in our lifetime. Now, this ingathering coming back in. Now, where is all of these you know, future Bible prophecies, where does all this take place? Now, if you've ever seen a map of the Middle East and you see the way that Israel is so positioned along the Mediterranean between like Africa, you know, down here with Egypt, and then Syria and Iran and Jordan over here, for, for, for armies over the centuries to come back and forth between those continents, you have to go right through Israel. And every time Israel was disobedient to God and wasn't listening to her prophets, what happens? These armies would, you know, wreak havoc on Israel and just bring in absolute devastation uh, to these things. So it is in Jerusalem uh, we're going to go over to Zechariah when we come back after this break. And then we're going to zip over to uh, Luke chapter 21 and Matthew 24. So I hope you'll come back and stay tuned. God bless you. We'll see you on the other side. Welcome back on the other side. Um, we're in uh, Zechariah chapter 12, trying to move along. Uh, I'm trying to keep this study going along quick. I'd like to cover a lot uh, in this back half today. Uh, we'll see how far we get. I hope you're being blessed by this. Uh, if you are, if you have any questions uh, for anybody here at the staff on the prophecy train, uh, you'd like to pass along some information, uh, just contact us through our web address, and uh, you know we'd love to hear you. We'd like to add a new segment where we kind of add, um, you know, answering uh, questions that uh, people might have out there. But let's get back into our study. Uh, we're talking about where. Where are a lot of these things going to happen? Jerusalem. Jerusalem is God's timepiece, God's Rolex for Bible prophecy. If you wonder why the Middle East is in the news, and specifically Israel, Israel's on the table all the time. What's going on? 
Bible prophecy talks all about it. God is going to use this tiny nation of Israel to make a tremendous object lesson to the rest of the world to show him who he is. And he's not going to do it for Israel's sake. He says, I do this for my holy name's sake. That's why God's name is on the deed. It's on the title. He's going to take care of everything. And it's, it's going to be a terrible uh, time for unbelievers, but a great time for, for believers because it, what it means is going to mean the end of evil and unrighteousness, and God's going to reign in perfect righteousness. Now, in uh, talking about the coming deliverance of Judah in Zechariah chapter 12, in verse 2, it says, Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness, or trembling in some uh, translations, to all the surrounding peoples, take a look at the map, when they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem. And it says, And it shall happen in that day that I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all people, and all who would heave it away will surely be cut in pieces though all nations be gathered against it. Now that's what you're seeing with all these land for peace deals. Um, you know, God's saying, if you're going to get in the way of what God has promised, sovereignly, all right, and then the leadership of Israel is actually trying to give land away for peace, God calls that a covenant with death in Isaiah. You know, you're messing with God's covenant. But what happens at the end of that, some time passes between uh, verse 2 down to verse 10 when God works out his plan through the great tribulation, that seven years we were talking about. And when that happens, we're not really sure, but we get a, a feeling that, that these things could be imminent. But in verse 10, at the end of this, it says, And I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication, and they will look upon me whom they've pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one who mourns for his only son. Now, who could that be? Well, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a lot of information I'd like to expound on this, but we just don't have time for that. But that's for the Jewish people on that day. But what I'd like to do now is I want to bounce over to when. When is some of these things going to happen? God, as I've said earlier, isn't going to leave us in the dark. So let's go to uh, Luke chapter 21. All right. And I want to make an important point here because uh, I didn't know this for a long time either. Um, Everybody knows about, heard about rumors of wars and famines and pestilence, earthquakes, all these other signs that uh, are supposed to happen before the Lord's second coming. Um, what I didn't know was until uh, I you know, really started to examine and take God's word seriously and look at it and, and see how there's, there's minute details and specific things that, that are, are very interesting and in pointing out. Now, in Luke 21, there was actually two briefings. This briefing happens at the temple. And, and let's go ahead and pick it up right in uh, 21. In uh, Luke 21, and he looked up, this is the Lord, and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. So he's obviously, he's in the temple. And then um, 
down in verse 5, it says, Then as some spoke of the temple and how it was adorned with beautiful stones and donations, he said, These things which you see, the days will come in which not one stone shall be left upon another and not thrown down. And that's what happened in 70 AD, 38 years later. And these people were around, so Jesus established himself as a prophet at that point. That was one of the many things that he said. And so they asked him, verse 7, saying, Teacher, but when will these things be? That's when. And what sign will be there when these things are about to take place? So we have two, two questions here. When and what sign? And then he says, the first thing he says is, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time is drawn near. Well, you even hear some of that now. Every, there's crackpots every now and then you hear something like that. Therefore, do not go after them. But when you hear of wars and commotions, and, you know, everybody knows all these things. But down in verse 12, an interesting thing. It says, but before all these things, that's like verses 8 through 11. He says, before all these things, he says, they will lay your hands on you and persecute you and deliver you up to synagogues. So these are things, he says, before these signs, he says, these other things that I'm going to talk about now are going to happen. And, and then he gets into verse 20 when he talks about the destruction of Jerusalem. In a very interesting thing, and you can uh, verify this by doing your own research, uh, through secondary sources, how the, the Christians left Jerusalem when they saw uh, what the Lord, they, they took what he said very literally. It says, but when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, okay, and there was uh, twice Vespasian had come to, uh, you know, conquer Jerusalem, and they left. And then they came back. He sent Titus back because he became emperor. And in that meantime, what happened was all the Christians were like, hey, this is what the Lord said. They all got out of Dodge, and then the city was overrun. And it says, When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then you know that its desolation is near. And then he goes through and he talks about, These are the days of vengeance that all things which are written may be fulfilled. And then down in verse 24, says, And they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Now, when Israel retook Jerusalem in 1968 and became a, a nation again in 1948, these times of the Gentiles, we can see that there's... Uh, this is going to end soon. And, and it says in verse 25, it says, Then there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and on the earth distress of nation with perplexity in the seas and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing from the fear of the expectation of those things coming upon the earth. Now, there's a lot of scary things in here, but the Lord himself tells us not to be afraid. Now, that's the first briefing he does, and, and that pretty much was on the timing of um, the, um, you know, his, his, his departure from the temple, and the first briefing was at the temple, and then this, there was another briefing later on in the, in the evening that was the morning or the daytime that he was at the temple. And in uh, Matthew 24, the second uh, briefing, all right. It talks um, 
you know, verse 37 of, of uh, Luke, I just wanted to wrap up. It says, and in the daytime he was teaching in the temple, but at night he went out and stayed on the mount called Olivet. So let's jump right over to 24. Let's find out what he had to say in the evening briefing. I used to think that these were the, they were just the same thing, but um, two different writers. But when you pay attention to these little subtleties that saying one was on the Mount of Olives and the other one was in the temple, one was in the evening and one was in the morning, They're obviously two different briefings. One was talking about the destruction of Jerusalem, and this one he has different uh, questions asked. And it says uh, in verse uh, 23 of Matthew 24, it says, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives... The disciples came to him privately and says, Tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age. And Jesus starts off the same way like he did the other one, but he says, Let no one deceive you. And then he goes through and he talks about the gospel and all these signs again. But remember in the other briefing, it was verses 8 through 11 that preceded, he says, But before these things, they are part of this one. But the, the key trigger point he points to uh, of this whole thing, it says, and then the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, then the end will come. Therefore, he says in verse 15, when you see the abomination spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, and then it has brackets right here, it says, whoever reads, let him understand. So we have an obligation, like his first coming, to understand what his second coming is going to be like. And these are the signs he's saying. You know, when he was talking to the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees of his day, he was like, how is it that you can discern the face of the sky, but you can't discern the signs of the times? The same things. We have more of the word to help us to understand what's going on in these days. And then he says, but woe to those, in verse 19, who are pregnant in those days and are nursing babies in those days. Pray that your flight be not in winter or on the Sabbath. Now this is again speaking to the quick work he's going to do in those seven years with the nation of Israel, that final 70th week. Remember, in Daniel, it's for his people and his city. That is Israel and Jerusalem. And then Jesus says, for then there will be great tribulation. And the book of Revelation has much to say on that. The book of Revelation, what it does, is like taking a magnifying glass and kind of zooms in on uh, prophecies in Ezekiel, Daniel, um, and, and, and these gospel presentations and kind of zooms in and gives us a closer look. Now, if these things are troubling you, and these things give you that anxiety, you don't have a proper understanding of, of Scripture, prophecy in general. You should be encouraged by these things. These things mean that the Lord is doing what He said He was going to do. Now, you need to reflect in your own heart. If you're nervous or anxious, maybe it's because you're not right with the Lord. What we'd like to do at this point in the program is just ask you, you know, are you all set with the Lord? Do you know the Lord? Do you want to know the Lord? All you have to do is just invite Him into your heart. He stands at the door of your heart, knocking. 
He wants to come in. You have to open up the door of your heart, invite him into your life. Invite him in, just like this. Just repeat after me and just believe this in your heart and Jesus will cleanse you of all your sins. Father, I know that I'm a sinner. I've fallen short in many areas of my life. I need you. I want to be with you in heaven. Forgive me my sins. Thank you for putting to death my sins on your cross and taking my sin upon yourself. I invite you into my heart. I want to live for you. I want to get to know you better. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. Help me to live this life well-pleasing unto you. In Jesus' name, we give you thanks and praise. That was uh, part three of four of our uh, introduction to uh, Bible Prophecy, the Prophecy 101 series out of our Prophecy Train archives. Check back with us. We'll have the final installment, Prophecy 101, Part 4, coming up next. God bless.